you're back with your favorite podcasters, Black Ohioans. And I'm your host, Mr. Cashman himself. Mr. Drop a quarter in your sippy cup. Buku Cash. And I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Bird's World. Hey y'all, still here. We back, guys, with another episode. This one is called Mysteries at the Museum. Now, don't let the title uh, get you confused. It's definitely about the show, because I love the show. But it's about self-education. It's about you uh, educating yourself on different programs that, since we all on quarantine, that we get an opportunity to watch. If it's Mysteries at the Museum or anything on the History or Sci-Fi Network, you know. Uh, it's about just doing things on an everyday basis and learning from everything that you do. So, stay tuned for this episode. Tell me how you feel. So, without no further ado, Mysteries at the Museum. Yes! How you feel about this episode, Berg's World? You know what? I gotta say I'm excited about this episode. I love mysteries, I love history, and I love putting everything together. So, this is a really good episode right here. <laughs> That's funny. You know, because when you start talking about history, they think about Frankenstein or things that <laughs> happen in Europe or... Uh, you know, ancient Egypt and stuff like that. And, of course, like I said, the show got all those. Mm-hmm. You know, the show got everything like that. And um, the one thing I like about the show is it talk about just backyard history, too. You yes, know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, It's a mixture of everything. Everything world history, like you were saying. Yeah, it's not like just going back to Rome or, you know, mm-hmm. or digging up artifacts all the way in. Uh, in the Sudan and and, and and stuff like that. Now, of course, like I said, they got they got uh, clips about that. They got episodes about that. But the ones I like is the ones where they talk about things that just happened. Like the guy Lafayette, mm-hmm. you know, he just found all that mm-hmm. gold that was from him back in the seventeen hundred. Could you imagine being in your backyard? I could only pray being in my backyard and that happened. I'm telling you, if I see some gold chips, I mean, could you imagine this guy? And he wasn't even thinking that. He thinking, I got to call the water company to, you know, make sure my pipes is all. Could you imagine being on that call when they told you to go check them pipes? <laughs> and like you were saying, that's what I love about it. It's not just stuff you see in the history books or stuff that you was taught. It's like so much more. Exactly. And that's why I tried to label this uh, subliminal thinking. It's not just uh, looking at a program, you know, mm-hmm. they're basically on a whiteboard and they're breaking everything down to you. I don't think everybody learns that way. Right, right. Everybody don't. And sometimes you do it by just repetition. That's, you know, you actually doing the feat. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you do it by just watching somebody else do it. Right. And we forget TV is actually that thing, watching somebody <laughs> else do it, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't just have to be on YouTube. 
Exactly. You can watch somebody else do it off of just watching them do it and you watching these shows and especially with mysteries at the museum, you seeing things that happen with you know, in slavery times that they don't teach in books. Exactly. You know. You seeing things that happen that change, you know, the whole civil war. And you like, wait, <laughs> hold on, we could have still been you know, you, you don't even know none of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even like I said, people don't even tell you, well, why is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland? You know, they don't even explain certain things like that. So when right. you get shows like right. this and you yawning at about 10, 30, 11, <laughs> 1 o'clock, whatever time you go to sleep, mm-hmm. you yawning and you need something to just click on and you put it on a show like this and you wake up, you feel like you Albert Einstein or something. <laughs> I really liked that one because you're definitely going to be smarter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, every time I wake up, I wake up and I see it's still on. You know, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I love. They running the they running the marathon. <laughs> you know, it's a marathon. They got 400 shows. They definitely got about 400, 500 shows. You'd be like, dude, I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, it's still on this channel. But if you catch the right one. Mm-hmm. And they have so many, they they be so bizarre, you know, they be all facts, they all true. That's oh. what I love about them. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And like I said, this is what I was trying to explain to you. Mm-hmm. It's so many in here that I'm trying to figure out which one do I want to do. I mean, I know we got this little segment coming up, but I got about three or four of them that I really want to talk about. And it's about 40 or 50 of them that I couldn't squeeze in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I don't know if I want to talk about Henry Brown from Virginia or mm-hmm. even talk about Liz Murphy, the first female to ever play uh, professional MLB. O-M-T. You know what? I really liked that story about her. Man, what she accomplished back in her day, how she was fighting back then for women's equality and just the right to play her sport. Especially in the time right now when we're talking about equality. And mm-hmm. you forget, I mean... Women's rights was very long, you know, mm-hmm. for her to be doing all that back in the day. And then for her to be able to play baseball, and then they rewinded back, and that's where uh, A League of Their Own came in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I hate to admit it, and I hope nobody go ahead and, and say nothing to me about it, you know. <laughs> I did like the movie, okay? I it remember was an watching excellent it. excellent movie, okay? I watched it, you know, I watched it with Shaquille and Denise. <laughs> we all over there watching the movie. But, yeah, listen, this is the lady that is based off of, mm-hmm. and, of course, not just specifically her and her character, but she was one of the pioneers. And not only that, she played for 30 years. Yeah, she was a beast, y'all. Man, she played for 30 years, Major League Baseball for 30 years. This is be, this is in 1919. And it's not like she just played in a backyard or a little pickup game or something. She was a semi-pro. And, and, and like I said, no, don't don't let me get too far into it. Because like I said, I mean, I don't want to say she got left off and Henry Brown got left off. Because like I said, his, his story about how he became free as a slave and the journey that he had to take, how he trapped himself in a box, was in it for 36 hours. Once he did, uh, you know, once he did get to safety and he uh, he was able to go ahead and free himself, Yeah, they passed a law saying <laughs> that, you know, all free slaves that ran away, oh, you can be claimed by your master. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, but he mm-hmm. never stopped. He never stopped his fight. He, he ended up going to England, continuing his fight. And these are the people that I couldn't talk about. <laughs> you know, these are the people that I couldn't even say nothing about. And you got about like, I know you got about four or five other people that you want to talk Man, about. Man, more like 60 other people. But I definitely have to start off by talking about this dude, Dan Williams. I mean, no, no, no. You can't say dude, Dan Williams. You can't 
say dude Dan <laughs> Well, I don't mean Wick. to say it like that. Let me say Dr. Dan Williams. Yes. Okay, then. Yes, we all know how it was. Well, we don't all know how it was, but we heard how it was during segregation times. And this guy establishes the first black-owned and operated hospital. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And when we was listening to this story, I could... I mean, listen. You know about those times. Mm -hmm. And you know about the situations. Mm -hmm. But... For this guy to accomplish the things that he did, especially with the tools that they had in those times. Exactly. It was amazing. He didn't just establish the first black-owned hospital. He was the first doctor to perform a successful open-heart surgery. Damn. Bet you didn't know that. See, <laughs> that's the stuff I was talking about. You know, when you watch the Mysteries Museum, of course they got Rosa Parks when they talk about February. And they, and they got Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. They got all our... Uh, a handful of leaders that they talk about and even when we're not talking about just black leaders when we're talking about other people that came here and helped us free us from britain and everything you know they talk about george washington mm -hmm. they talk about adams mm -hmm. you know they even might throw hancock in there a couple times <laughs> but they only rotate the same people all the time and i'm so happy that you said that about rosa parks because i learned something on this show that i had i hadn't known i hadn't even heard of wait, wait hold on hold on before you even say it I got to get my sounds in. <laughs> well, I don't know if anybody else heard this, but Rosa Parks actually wasn't the first person to not give up her seat on the bus. What? Yes, it was actually a young lady. She was only 15 years old. Her name was Claudette Calvin, and she was the first person to give up her seat on the bus. They got her fingerprints in the museum right now because of it. And this is one of the people we're talking about that, about that you never hear of. Oh, no, no. And like I said, I even like how they interviewed her, what was it, 50 to 60 years later. And she mm -hmm. said she don't hold no no, no ill uh, for Rosa Parks. And mm -hmm. she understand the movement. And what she did was she was able to go ahead and help the movement do what it was able to do, which was able to come on, make equal rights for everybody. But, you know... Without her contribution, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't have even got started. And without the show, we wouldn't even known about it. I mean, it's just crazy, man. Some things, you know, it make you twist your head and be like, "What? Mm. No, no, no! I didn't hear." I mean, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before I go ahead and do this one, I got to go ahead and say, did you know that Shakespeare didn't write his own plays? WTF. Yes, yes, yes. That was one of my favorite episodes right there. Um, I always loved William Shakespeare. We all know Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet and all his favorite little stories. But they said that he was illiterate. Now, <laughs> yes, I said illiterate. <laughs> now, how can this guy be illiterate, but he's one of the most prolific playwrights of all time? I mean, like, this guy works. They always say he's one of the greatest. I mean, they still doing this stuff right now. They is, but they had some really compelling information. They um saying that he was a lead actor, that one of the guys that had a little stake in the company was actually writing it because some of the stories, specifically Hamlet, has... A lot of things about him. Yes, yes. I mean, a lot of things about him. Yes, his I mean, best like, friend, same name as his best friend in real life. You know, same stories and adventures he went on was inside of that book. So it was actually amazing because I never, never heard of this before. This is a mystery. This is a mystery. I mean, it gets yeah. better and better. I mean, yeah. like I said, I mean, they may be stupid fun facts. They may be just general things that most people don't even pay attention to. But I'm going to tell you this. In real life, 
Like I said, when you watching shows and you wake up in the morning, you like, man, I didn't know that. It's intriguing. It makes you want to come back to it. It is. That's that subliminal thinking. Mm. And on that note. All right, I'm going to jump right back into it. Uh, you know, I, I I know it's a lot of facts, but, you know, I'm Ohio-centric, and plus it's black Ohioans. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about two different ones. Uh, the one I want to talk about is how Dayton is known as the birthplace of funk. See, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're known because of the, of course, the group Ohio players. Everybody love Ohio players. Everybody listened to Ohio players back in the day. <laughs> we all know, we all know. But uh, it's also known from the Wright brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dayton, Ohio, the first guys to ever fly. But this is the one thing I was watching. And I was half asleep, so I'm going to be honest, you guys. You know, I was half asleep, you know. But the one thing that I didn't know about them is they were bike guys. Yeah. They actually had a bike shop. Uh, that's how they were able to figure out how to fly because, you know, they had an old yeah, bike shop. Yeah, I worked there shop. so long, you know what I'm saying? They figured out how to put things together, how things move and everything. It was pretty amazing. It's exactly, exactly. And I'm like, wait, hold on. So you telling me you go from this... <laughs> to being in the record books as the first people to ever fly. And you was just fixing bikes in the neighborhood. I love bicycles. I love airplanes. The Wright Brothers. Like you said, we are black Ohioans, right? Speaking of Ohio, I got to talk about a dude named Arthur Cummins. He created the curveball and the hand glove. Look out! When I say hand glove, I'm talking about for MLB. Yeah, the MLB glove that they got going right now. Of course, it's not the same one. Yeah, but it's based off of his prototype glove. And the way that he created it, the reason why he created it, I thought it was real fascinating. I really liked it. I did, too. Actually, it was kind of accidental. He was just walking on the beach one day. He was throwing rocks into the ocean, and then he noticed how he was throwing the rocks, and he like, you know what? I'm going to try this with a baseball. And that was how he created the curveball. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I'm following you. But when he created that ball, he was hitting it so hard that they like, man, our hands hurt. We can't even do this. No. So they came up with something to help protect guys' hands from that curveball. I would have never put those two together. And because of that, they got gloves. Yes. You would think it's because they're hitting it with a (laughs) pine stick and the ball is coming out the air. And you would think that it would be hurting their hands because of that. Mm -hmm. But no, they created the glove because he couldn't hold on to the curveball that this guy was pitching. Right, it was just coming too fast for him. And you saying this guy's from Ohio? Mm-hmm. I like that. That's See, those are the fun facts that I always talk about. And like I said, they may be dumb facts to some, but for a guy that's going to sleep or just a guy that's in a zone or something like that. Or a guy like me that just loves knowledge. I'm always Googling something. And could you imagine the trivia? I mean, the game <laughs> nights when quarantine is finally, 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 finally over. And we can get back to bars doing game nights. Mm-hmm. Little stuff like this, they always have it up there. And I guess I'm not the only person that likes fun facts. Oh, no, you ain't. And like I said, when I was looking at the Mystery of the Museum, uh, they had a couple other ones. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the one that I was thinking of is about the one, the bank robber guy. Now, uh, this guy's the first known serial bank robber. Mm-hmm. And the way he started it was crazy. I mean, like I said, uh, I think the way he started was something. It was, you know what? It gets away from me now. But the point of it, okay, you can get mad, you can get mad, okay. But the point of it 
was the dude wasn't even a guy. Yeah, it was the guy that was shadowing him, a guy that worked for him. Copy, he, I guess he was making a key and making a, a bank vault, like one of the first bank vaults, and the guy that was shadowing him was over his shoulder making the copy for himself. Never even thought. But the guy who created it went to jail for it. Yes! And not only did he go to jail for it, I think they said he had lost his reputation. <laughs> he did. Wouldn't nobody hire him as a locksmith no more. And he was not, I mean, and the, and the other guy, he goes down as the first person to ever break into a vault, first, first person to ever do a bank robbery mm-hmm. in history. Yeah, that's as pretty the crazy. apprentice. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't want to be known as that guy. But could you imagine how much he got away with? Mm. Yeah, yeah. He robbed a bank. And this is before people even thought to rob a bank. Exactly. You know, everybody had their goods in there. Everybody had their stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And he got out of town. Like I said, they, he never got caught. <laughs> it wasn't like he got caught or something. No, he ain't never get caught. Just another case of them catching the wrong guy. And like I said, I mean, and it's just thousands of different stuff like that. You always think that, oh, I know this and I know that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's always different facts in there that you can pull up. I mean, like I said. It you, is, wait, wait, wait. Before you get too far, speaking of facts and speaking of first, man, I got to talk about Mother's Day. Oh, oh yeah, you definitely got to talk about Mother's Day. Yes! I was definitely fascinated by this story. It's about a young lady named Anna Jarvis, and she loved her mom so much that she sought out to have a a holiday for her. O-M-G. And you ain't lying, like I said, when I heard this, I'm like, wait, hold on. So it was just one lady, and Mm -hmm. she was the person that was behind the whole holiday of Mother's Day. It was crazy. I mean, she had petitioned for six years, and then... You know, guys was in charge back then, so they were just laughing at her. And the story don't even end there. They was laughing at her, but she finally, finally got it approved. And then people started taking advantage of it. Of course, you know, that's what they did. And mm-hmm. what they say that, I mean, once she finally got it approved, she I mean, made it all the way up to the presidency. Mm-hmm. And, um... They, they started commercializing everything. You know? Once they commercialized it, oh, you know she was pissed. She was. She was like, this is not what I meant by Mother's Day. I meant it to be something that people can celebrate with their moms that still live not for you guys to sell flowers and candy. And, and that was that was because like her mother had passed away. Mm-hmm. And she wanted something to commemorate mothers that's mm-hmm. still here. Exactly. So, so that's why she really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. But like like you said, it turned bad on the lady. It turned bad on the lady because she just, like she said, she didn't picture nothing that was going to happen. And she spent the last years of her life trying to get Mother's Day abolished from the holiday list. Damn. And you ain't lying. Like you said, she spent the last six to ten years of her life, like, mm-hmm. miserable. She ended up dying with nobody. She ended up dying in, like, one of those mental institutions. And they mm-hmm. said, and this is the sad, this is the kicker, right? Mm-hmm. She hated the fact that they commercialized Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. But when she was in that mental hospital for the last, like, ten years of her life, mm-hmm. the florist, you know, of, <laughs> of the companies that she was against, they ended up paying her medical bills. So they was the reason why she was able to stay in that medical hospital. Ain't that crazy? Crazy, but not only her medical bills, but they paid for her funeral, too. Oh. Right. Crazy. Crazy. And like I said, you have sleep, and you hear a story like that, and of course, like I said, we all love the holidays, so, mm-hmm. you know, you hearing it, you like, wait, hold on. That's how Mother's Day was created? Had no idea. I would hate to hear how Father's Day was created. <laughs> Like I said, man, it's so many different things. There's so many different things up in there. And like I said, when I'm watching Mysteries Museum, uh, like I said, the one thing I hate is what 
when they go ahead and go off on some things, when they start going to World War Two, yeah. they go to World War One, or they go into the ghost stories or the spiritual things like that. And like I said, I'm I'm not a spiritualist. I believe in certain things, but right. listen, I'm trying to learn something right now. Yes. <laughs> I'm not trying to sit over there and try to get spooked out of my mind. Come on, man. I don't want to hear nothing about no aliens, no mystery, <laughs> nothing like that. And that's not knocking anybody that do, but like you said, I'm more for the actual facts, real life, scientific, something that you can hold, prove, or see. Yeah, of course. You got to show me something. And of course, like I said, the one thing I love about it, too, is how they get into the sea. Mm-hmm. Once they start talking about... See, I listen to anything about the sea because they got so much... It, we forget how much of the sea is still... You know, they haven't even explored it. Mm-hmm. You Can't know. even make it to it. Could you imagine all the stuff that's down there? Oh, uh, man, so many treasures. As you can see, I only think about... Uh, <laughs> treasures! <laughs> Give me my money. That's but you it. know what? Like you said, so many different ones, but I have one that I just got to tell everybody about. Now, which one is this one? Let me know, because I might <laughs> know this one. Let me know. Now, this one is about a guy we all know and love, Thomas Edison. Access denied. Oh, I think I do remember this. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, he created so many things, but did you know he created an electric pen? Come on. The first ever electric pen. Now, you may not even know the name electric pen. You may think it's got a charger with it or it was something like that. But no, no, it's a device that you see on it every day. Mm-hmm. He actually thought it was going to go a lot faster than it did, but it didn't sell, so he put it on the shelf. A guy from out of town came in. He seen it sitting in this guy's shop. The guy's name was Sam O'Reilly. Sam O'Reilly. Remember that name because a lot of you guys owe a lot of y'all ink to this man. Yes, yes, yes. He was a hand poke tattoo artist. And when he seen it, he made some modifications to it, to the hand on to the needle, and he got it patented in 1891. For the tattoo machine. Now, like you said, it's called 1891. This is before 1900. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you say hand poke tattoo artists, this was old tribal work. Yeah. This was old guys in Ireland that used to get tattoos in prison with just single pen and they just stabbing each other's skin. Exactly. When he seen this device, it gave him an idea to make him think like, hold on, hold it's on. The, he's like, it's the same motion that I'm using to make these hand tattoos with this little bit of you know, a little bit of needles and stuff that he was using. And, of course, you know, remember we used to see National Geographic. You know, mm. remember that magazine? <laughs> you know, you would see, like, tribal people, and they would have tattoos on them. So, of course, I'm not saying this guy created tattoos. But he was one of them guys. I don't want to say he created tattoos, but he gave tattoos to everybody. Yeah, I mean, he was the inventor. Or, or okay, you can use him as a brand ambassador. You know, yeah, something like he that. Re, he rebranded Thomas Edison's electric pen. And he, he made did. that the tattoo, tattoo machine. Gun. And every tattoo machine right now used that basis that Thomas Edison created. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You think about him as a light bulb guy. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, anything else as far as, like, electricity or something like that. Mm-hmm. But who would have thought he created the tattoo gun? Exactly. I mean. I know he never seen that one coming. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He never seen that coming. And that's a good fact. I like that one. Me too. That's a good one. You know what? I think we can stop on that one. Yeah, huh? Definitely. All right, we're talking about the show Mysteries at the Museum. And uh, subliminal thinking that we get from watching shows like this. Uh, We talked about some of the fun facts that we enjoy while we're watching the show. And like I said, we're not going to 
continue just saying a thousand different fun facts, but it's a couple fun facts that we like. So, mm-hmm. like I said, um, the next one I want to talk about. What well, if you gonna cut me off? Go ahead. <laughs> well, I want to cut you off. Go ahead. Go like ahead. You said now. I could have talked about a million episodes that they had. Yes. But one I want to get into is about a guy named Ron Wyatt, and this guy discovered the real Noah's Ark. Now you tell me he discovered the real Noah's Ark. Yes, you ain't in Bible class. This guy discovered the real Noah's Ark. Amazing, located, amazing. I got a location for you. Located 29 miles of Mount Aknarak in Turkey. How did this guy find the real Noah's Ark? Well, you know what? He had been obsessed with Noah's Ark since day one. And they said this guy, he's really popular. He actually have discovered a lot of different artifacts around the world, not just in one place. Can I have your autograph? <laughs> right. And uh, when he compared his notes to the studies and the facts from other people, he like, you know what, I'm about to go take a look for myself. He went over to Turkey, and it was unbelievable. When I seen I seen the pictures, I seen the square footage. The, it was compared, it was perfect. They had everything down. Everything. I mean, the, in the Bible, it says that Noah's Ark was 300 cubic feet. All right, one of the stories that I was really into uh, kept me up, man. Uh, the guy, Bernard Silver. It was an amazing story. Now, this is the guy that created barcodes, you know, the way that you count everything and, mm-hmm. and the way that they came up with it. It was pretty amazing. Honestly, he was just walking past and he, oh, he was walking past at a college and he overheard the dean talking to a grocery store owner. WTF. And what he was telling them was that we need a way to keep count of our products. Yeah, because like back in the day, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Before they had barcodes and before they had anything like that, you know. Inv- Every, everything was different. Yeah, inventory was, you know, whatever I said it was. Yeah. I could say I delivered you 55 cows, but only really <laughs> delivered you 50. And then, like I said, I could scam a couple bucks off of it. Exactly. So they wanted a better way to track everything. And this was during the boom. When people start getting money back, this is right after the last war that we had. So, yeah. And you know what? It wasn't easy for these guys. It took them about three or four years to actually come up with a good way to track your stuff. And honestly, it's actually kind of sad. Because they thought it was going to do a lot better than it did. And it didn't. So they sold their patent for $15,000. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. They sold their patent for $15,000. Give me my money. Yes, yes, yes. After so long, they just gave up. They sold their patent to IBM. Oh, no, you did. (laughs) Yes, and in 1974, these guys perfected it and displayed it first in Troy, Ohio. So you're telling me the first place they ever had barcodes was in Troy, Ohio? Yes. Black Ohioans. Ohio, Ohio. Yeah. Let me not do too much. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this. That's amazing. You know, when I was listening to the story, it was kind of slick how the guy was able to go ahead and uh, create it. I think he said he was on the sand and he looked at the ripples of his fingerprints in the mm-hmm. sand. And he was running his fingers across the grass and he's like, across the sand. And he's like, you know what? We're just going to do it like this. I told you I was Make up. some simple lines. I told you I was up. I knew I had heard something. <laughs> I guess you See, that's was, the best huh? part about it. Like I said, subliminal thinking. You may be half asleep. You wake up like, hey, did you hear this story? Mm-hmm. Now, when I talk about computers, I know you think about Steve Jobs. Oh, yeah, or the guy from Facebook. Mm-hmm. IBM, Microsoft, everybody. Oh, of course. But you know what? It was a guy who actually created their first computer. 
blew your mind. <laughs> yes, it did. I had never heard of this guy. His name is Alan Torrey. And it was so amazing, his story. Now, during World War II, they was going back and forth. And Germany was actually winning. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't know that part. Mm -hmm. You know, when they said that they was over there just picking their ass off. Picking them off with them U-boats. Yeah. And you know yes. what? They couldn't figure out how they was doing it. How they was communicating. And then they realized these guys had created their own machine called the German Enigma machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, with that machine, they was able to go ahead and have a lot of codes to be able to kind of tell mm -hmm. them different things. And only they, if only if you had one of those machines, were you able to decrypt it. Oh, yeah. You couldn't decipher nothing. It was like a... a no, well... Let me go ahead and let you go ahead and talk. <laughs> well, it I'm all over you. Go ahead. You go ahead and talk. Well, you know, you it, it, it looked like a typewriter. Yeah, yeah. And what it was was you sent the message into there decrypted, and it came to the other side decrypted, but the they had buttons on there to decipher it. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, but it's very smart. Very smart. Oh, it was in jeans. And so people all over, everybody that was part of this world, they just couldn't figure out what was going on. And then the United States intervened. Yeah. And they like, man, you know, we about to put our best guys on this and we about to de decipher this. And they were able to decipher it, right? And they were mm -hmm. able to figure it out, but they had to do it by hand. Exactly. That was it the took problem. them way too long. By the time they did one, they had already destroyed three other countries. Damn. So this guy was like, you know what? I need to come up with a way to make this faster. Of course. And. That's when he created the first machine. He just started putting bits of their machine together with bits that he knew from the U.S. Navy. And he actually created the first machine. Oh, yeah. And like I said, when he created the first machine, it was to just to be able to mm -hmm. decipher their signals or it was just to be able to do anything. It was specifically for the German Enigma machine. And put them out of business, right? And put them out of business. Woo! And when he built that computer, it actually did put them out of business. Turned the tide on the whole war. You would have never known that we would have been speaking, what, German right now? <laughs> we speaking something mm -hmm. different right now. So, like I said, it's little stuff like that that you go ahead and you read about or you hear it and you like, wait, hold on. See, I didn't know this little part about it. I didn't I didn't know that it was just, you like know, we that, were I, I mean, I didn't even know that we were losing. <laughs> exactly, man. Hey, you know how I am. I'll sit here and give you guys a thousand more fun facts about mysteries at the museum. Yes! But I know you got something to do. So before we go, I want to end it on one of the queens of ancient Egypt. Uh, of course, we all got a thousand different stories about Cleopatra, but I definitely want to give her a little bit of her own little shout out. Mm -hmm. Especially since some of us is a lot bigger fans of you know. <laughs> well, if you're talking about me, he right, okay? Definitely, definitely. I love Queens. I love ancient Egypt. So when they did this episode dedicated to Cleopatra, you know I had to spit a couple facts about it. Yes! And like I said, there was a lot of things that I did not know. Mm -hmm. One of them things was that she was actually a Greek descendant. Yeah, she was yes. born in Egypt, but she's actually she was actually Greek. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either because there's a lot of things they don't talk about. And like you said, she was on she was one of the only mm -hmm. only only pharaohs because, like I said, you still gotta even though she's a queen, we gotta 
approximately. She was a pharaoh. Yeah, she was uh, a queen. She was one of the only pharaohs that was a queen, right? Yeah, she was. And speaking of that, she was one of the only pharaohs that spoke Egyptian. Ain't that crazy? It is. You think in Egypt, and when we talk about the pharaohs, they all speak Egyptian. Yeah, but they don't. They all came from a Greek line. They spoke Greek. Damn. But this lady not only spoke Egyptian, but she spoke nine other languages. See, I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, when they speak about her, they make it seem like she's some type of, she's some... Seductress. Oh, yeah, that's the word I was going to use, seductress. (laughs) Yeah, they make it seem like she was only out to get men and steal their jewels. Like, she wasn't a queen herself by right. Like, she didn't already have it. Like, she took away from, you know, all the other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mark Anthony, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what, what y'all talking about? I don't even know. It made know. me think about the singer. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then, like I said, even her earlier son. You know, mm-hmm. they talk about how after she died, you know, the one son that was supposed to go into power, they killed him, a, what, two weeks later. Yeah, the son she had with Julius Caesar, man. But they don't talk about the son that she had before him. Yeah. I yeah. didn't even know that. And yeah. like I said, they just unearthed that uh, new statue that was... Uh, Dedicated to her. Who would have known? Man, it's so much stuff. You know what else I didn't know? I didn't know that she was married to her brother. WTF. Yes, I said she was married to her brother, guys. No. And I guess that was something that was common back in the day, so I don't want to be judgmental, but... Well, I mean, in our days, of course, it's crazy. Mm. But in their days, it was a way to keep power and keep that line strong. So Mm. that was one of the reasons, too. Right, right, right. And, of course, you know, they killed him. They killed him. Her, her her lover, Julius Caesar, killed him. Damn. Then they killed him. Then she got with his best friend, Mark Anthony, like he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Had three kids that they never talk about with Mark Anthony. See, they don't talk about they had three more kids. They didn't even get the names of them kids, but they know she had three kids. But, and when they talk about her, I thought she passed away. She like 20 or 21 or something like that. No, no, no. She, um... She was like 30 when she passed away. She actually ruled for over 20 years. I think she was 39. Yep. You know what? She was 39. And it was so sad how she came to her demise. She was running from Octavius. And she ended up biting herself. Well, not biting herself, but getting a snake to bite her. Yeah, of course. Repeatedly. Yeah, of course. And you know what's so crazy, though? Even that story may have had a little bit of twisted turns over the years and everything like that. Yeah, because you can never really be too sure. But it was, I mean, it was a good story. It was an amazing story, man. They had coins with her face on it and stuff. And then they was finally able to see how she actually looked. But like I said, listen, this is just not... (laughs) one story it's not just one episode it's a thousand different episodes and it's all about you know Mm self-education you know learning when you're not even know that you're learning you know anything that invokes thinking Mm -hmm. is learning yes i like that and when we watch shows like that that's all they do it just spark your imagination and stories that you heard back in the day when you was in school you know, they put them to the test. Yeah, they do. And one thing I love about this story, they don't tell you something if they can't actually prove it or they don't have a fact or an artifact about oh, it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And the one thing I like about it, mm-hmm. and I got to say this, they always, they always tell you where the museum is. Yes, Where they you do. can find the artifact at. Yes. So if you ever want to get in the car and take that road trip, I mean, listen, you know where to go. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always... A thousand different things. And like I said, a lot of this stuff goes on tour. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought that you can be standing next to, I mean, like the guy with the Noah. 
Yeah, that you know, was that was you know crazy. with the Noah's Ark. I mean, it could be a piece of Noah's Ark mm-hmm. at your next museum exhibit next two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Right, man. I mean, it's crazy. So, like I said, look, the episode is called Subliminal Thinking. You know, and that's all we want you guys to do: uh, take some time out or enjoy what you normally do. Mm-hmm. Just do it in a better way and learn from the things you're doing. And on that note. You stink, your hair stink, put it about your clothes, your feet stink, you don't take a shower, your breath stink, get some toothpaste and a toothbrush.